Welcome to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. For Visit Mildura, unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Here's your hosts, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening Right around the country, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. The man himself sits alongside me as always. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, mate. How are you? You are it's good to see the new the commissioner sitting with me. Is that what is that what us read during the week? Uh, you're the new commissioner. For someone that never followed footy, geez, you follow footy. I just follow me, mate. I just like to see what he's up to. Don't ask always me a message. What are you what doing you... now during the week? Don't reply back to me. Nothing. Nothing is the answer because my <laughs> wife would absolutely kill me. You haven't even got enough time to tie your shoes up, let alone be a commissioner, do you? I don't have any time to go fishing. That's the important part. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Have you been Ball fishing ball. this week? Yeah. I had a beautiful week. We had some lovely weather. We did. You. Um... How good is 20 degrees in, what oh, are we, in August mate. now? I think we're in August, aren't we? Mid-August. Is it's, that uh... global warming? Is that global warming sort you of... say for the last five years of frozen that we had? Well, is that global colding? No, it's, it's climate change. It could climate be cold. Change. It could be hot. Yes. Okay. And that's not all warm, mate. I think it's just not the weather. Cold. It's just the weather doing its thing. I love it, though. I love the heat. And we're looking to, to having that El, the El Nino effect, which is basically we're going to have the northerly winds, warm summer, and it's going to be an early snapper season for us Victorians, I think. So Really? Traditionally... Because we... This took a bit of time last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, did it ever. And not just last year, the last five years, just as an example. Generally, oh, we get to November and people are like, when are they? Well, are they November's here? snapper season, right? Are they here? Charters start, their, start in October chasing these fish. They start in October chasing snapper. But I don't go fishing for them then because the charters, you'll see them, they'll get three, they'll get six, they'll get two, they'll get eight. That's not snapper season. You want consistent yes, hookups. Yes, I do. I want snapper. You watch. Comes into November, and that's when the charters are getting back, and all their three trips out the boat. You can go out and have a good time. Yep. You will still get fish earlier season. Don't get me wrong. And late season. But are you judging it's, it by temperature? Hundred percent. It's all temperature. Water temperature or serv- like water yeah, temperature? Obviously, water temp. So basically, which is not just water temp. It's also the outside temp. That's what happens. We don't have currents in the Port Phillip Bay and whatnot. We have got a little bit of ocean current that has an effect. The ocean comes up and down during winter. Right now, the ocean's warmer than the bay, hence why we get those whiting down south. And then once the water takes over and the temp starts to come up and beats the ocean, the snapper come on. Then you have got your kingfish that follow after that. And those school tuna that we get now. So everything's temperature based. Now, those snapper like that 18 degree mark of when they spawn as such. So what we're looking for is that 16 and above. 15, 15, 5 to 16 is when I'm like, right, we're going to see some start to get those regular captures. And anything above 16 is when it's red hot. So I reckon we're going to have a very early season. It's going to be the first one in a little while that we're going to have, an. I reckon, an October charter season that I like to call it, when the charters are actually going to be quite consistent on their captures. I reckon yeah. it's going to be early. So we'll, we'll have a snapper show before the season starts. We're probably probably talking mid-September, I reckon, Pat, end of September. We'll, we'll get into that snapper, take you through how to fish for snapper over the, over the few weeks. But basically, yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to some warm weather because we haven't had those norlies for a long time. And even the diving scene, it's been hard to get under the water over the last handful of years, where back when I was a bit younger, you'd have... Are they chasing scallops now? You'll get scallops. 
Yeah, you've got to be stupid to do it. Cause <laughs> you've got a bit of shrinkage happen there, Patrick. I can promise you that. The water's like a hot 12 degrees in the bay. Shrinkage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've gone there. Oh, all right. What time is it? Okay, okay sure. That's no, early enough. Right, yeah, right. it's early. It's before that, time. We've got... I'm talking about your fingers skin, your skin shrinks, but it's uh, it it's so cold. There are plenty of scallops in the bay, though, and once we get they nice and thick at the moment, then during early season, that November, I'll get in the water, and now my ticker's going good. I'm not going to put anyone at risk, and I'm going to get in this summer. I'm allowed to get in, so I uh, tried to do that last year. It didn't end up real well. You know, well. people have heart attacks when they go from warm to cold really fast, so you've got to be careful there. Well, that's why I don't dive in the cold. I just wait till it warms up, but uh, I'm going to try and get you in under this summer. I'm going to have a crack. What are the chances? Uh, no, I'm up for it. You're up for it? Tanks Just or not, on the dive hooker? Uh, probably tanks. I like the idea yeah, of I like tanks. tanks. Tanks are cool. And, uh, and if I see a big, gigantic Noah, I can sort of cling to the bottom. <laughs> hey, uh, almost 47,000 people attended the Sydney Boat Show. Uh, passing through Darling Harbour, the displays, 233 exhibitors filled the indoor and outdoor spaces. Um, 220 vessels on the water. Massive show. 82 exhibitors out there. Which is brilliant. 424 inside. Everything was... 51 uh, exhibitors. Pretty cool. Was, was, was hailed a success. The thing that I keep coming back to, um, in terms of products, was the noise around the cruise craft, the 695. And that's yep. sort of been a common theme, Redmond. The, it was a beautiful boat. The hard top setup on it and how they've done the the glass around it, absolutely brilliant. I really like the cruise craft. I've always One of the best the looking boats craft. on the market. Yeah. And now this is not, I'm not having to dig at anyone out there that owns a cruise craft and the sliders. I think they're a brilliant boat and I would own one myself to tell you the truth. But it's that boat that you walk in with your partner, husband or wife, whoever it is, you walk in and if that person's not into or fishing other, or boating. You know, it could be other these days. Don't you go there either. <laughs> you get yourself into trouble. It's I'm just saying, could be other. If you walk in with your partner, it's that, that who is interested in boating, in, is not interested in fishing. Cruise craft is the boat that will get them over the line. Yeah, it's a, it's looking a beautiful boat. looking yeah. boat. It has the capabilities of all the offshore. It, they have done extremely well with this 695. And I think a 695. They call it the CCB the Panaview windscreen. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful boat, and it's that size. What are your thoughts on the size? I think it's a great size. Your 750 gets a bit... It's on the bigger side. The 650 is on the slightly smaller side. Is the 7 metre the good? Uh, uh, getting a bit big? I actually agree with you there. I think I think 7 metres is a good size boat because what the thing is, 7 metres will bring you well under 3.5 tonne when it comes to tonne. Oh, it yep. doesn't put you on the precipice of then having to, you know have a Dodge or a, um, you know, F-150 or Silverado. Like, seven metres brings you, with all gear, everything, at like 3-1. Yeah. Less, three. And then you can have, actually, people in the car to drive the car. (laughs) (laughs) You know, payload changes. So I think that's why, you know, this is such a successful and was such a successful model. It's got a beautiful dive door. It's got a really well-structured helm. I think that's such an important piece um, in building a really good boat is having a helm now that'll accommodate 20-plus inches of um, of you know, Furuno yeah. or yeah. Garmin or Simrad, whatever it might be. And they've set that up really well. So I think they've done a wonderful 
you know, I think they've done a wonderful thing with this model. And the other thing I really like about it is the extended target top that they, which obviously plenty of models have, but this is really, um, this is really well fitted. It doesn't feel like it's a tack on or an add on. It feels seamless. So you've got that hard top and then you've got the extended um, top that you can just roll out. And, and, you know, cruise craft have always been synonymous for their finish. Um, with their manufacturing, and this this just continues, um, you know, to up their up their range and and product, which I think is a great thing. Yeah, I, I I said to you before, their boat is just magnificent, and something that else was a massive success too. That was on. I actually, I don't like that it's on at the same time. I think it separates the industry a little bit. But after was on at Queensland. I agree uh, with you. Just not exact same, but like it rolls over pretty much the same week. Like people are up there, they've got to pack up, they've got to set up all the. It'd be stuff great to have them all at the Melbourne well, Boat Show instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fishing trade, trade show, so after, basically was open to the public. And they had more than double the amount of people in there than they did last year. So it is great to see. It's growing. Many, it's just growing and growing. But. Yep. Do you think, question on the back of it, and I've got a few of the the new products that are coming out on my phone here. Uh, basically, would you consider having after shared around the country? It's at the Gold Coast all the time, or would you just leave it there? It's such a good spot for it. Like that, oh, yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, I love, um, I love what, Melbourne Boat Show has become over the last few years. I yep. love the outdoor element of it, but it is so weather dependent, dependent yes. for it to be successful. It could be it could be an absolute joke this summer. It could go to absolute crap. It, uh, this oh sorry, this spring. Because if the weather's <laughs> crap if the weather's crap, or it could be like it was last year, they got very lucky and it was as good as it got. So the other thing that um I just want to pick your brain on, it's extremely expensive, but oh, I kind of think it's the next it's the next thing that everyone will just have on their boats and that's Sea Keeper. It continues to be one of the most spoken about products at any boat show. So for those that are unaware around what a Sea Keeper is, it's basically a marine motion technology. So it's it's designed to sort of transform your boating experience where your boat no longer rocks and rolls yep. and it keeps you really stable. Now that comes at a cost. And that cost is short thirty grand, thirty odd k. Yeah, exactly right. So it is expensive, but like we're spending thirty grand on electronics now, Red. Oh, like so is it that outlandish that that now becomes like is that the next thing? I think Someone people are spending two fifty plus on boats. Me, I would never buy a Seakeeper. Oh, it wouldn't even cross my mind. That's because you send me into the cabin <laughs> if you ever want anything in the cabin. You t- nah, I can't lock down there. I'll get sick. I'm not too bad, but. Yeah, that happens. But it's Seakeeper. I don't. I would never buy one. Yeah, I, I would never even. It okay. wouldn't even cross my mind to buy one. Really? Not for for what reason? If you didn't, you're if, in the ocean. You're there. Like, yeah. But if you didn't have, are you um, talking about seasickness or are you talking about comfortability? What are you talking? I'm about? talking like, about both, mate. Yeah. Like you've well, got big swell. Comfortability comes into the same yeah, thing. No, <laughs> you got big. You got big swell. Yeah. You're no. chasing as these, you know, these southern bluefin tuna start to be, you know, more prolific. So you start to chase them in bigger swell. There's a few deep V hulls now that run them. I know VH puts them, VH puts them in there. They run a lot of it in, in those boats. Which makes sense they the rock deep a bit. V, deep they, v. Rock. they ride like you wouldn't believe, but at rest, they do rock and roll a bit. Makes sense for a deep V. Yeah. It's still 30K to stop your boat from rolling. Harden up. Take a seasick pill. <laughs> it's much, about eight bucks. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, but back, I get what you're saying. Back to the trade show. Did you hear about the new Stratic there? 
So this new Stratic won uh, the best reel from Shimano. Yeah. Like, All reports, this thing is a weapon. Like, we said how good they are on, again, compared to the Stellar. And we you spoke were, about this last well, week. You and I didn't know that they were coming out, though, this week the, with a new Stratic. It's even better again. It, they, they seriously reckon this thing is as good as a Stellar. Which begs like, the question, why would you spend $1,000 on a Stellar? But it can't be because they, they would be... It's not. It's obviously not costing them that much, as much. Because no, why would Shimano bring something out that's better than a reel that's twice as expensive? Well, Bass Day, they won, a, they won the best sugar pen splash, and that there is a great uh, small, like your estuary fishing and whatnot, so you're chasing your, your brim, uh, you're chasing your sand whiting, all the likes. You use those in the shallows there, and you'll catch plenty of fish on it. Jay Braid won the best line. There was plenty, like I said, Shimano won the best reel, Wilson run the best combo with their electric reel. So there was some great prizes. There was 400 people at the gala event. So that's the dinner and the awards night. And it's basically to reward the industry and the people that are sort of keeping us going, keeping the industry going. So just new products and everything along the lines of that. So I didn't actually get to attend after this year. Uh, maybe next You're year. You're a father, mate. You're a father. You've got a few things. Uh, on. It wasn't that. I just, I, I, you know me in fishing gear. <laughs> um, just before we head to uh, the break And we've got a huge show of Real Adventures coming your way this morning We're chatting with Taylor Hunt a little later Looking in the show Looking forward to this, in Macquarie Perch Yeah, about the Macquarie Perch and the breeding program that they have So if you're into your fishing, or you're not The Macquarie Perch at the moment is on the absolute precipice of being extinct With the Tassie Tigers It is, it is exactly that So uh, they're doing a breeding program at the moment to try and to crack the code around um, breeding these fish and restocking them into Victorian waterways. It's going to be a fascinating chat. Um, Nissan's next generation patrol, Redmond, has been spied in Dubai. Why is that interesting for the Australian market? Well, it'll clearly come to Australian shores. The current um, patrol has been on sale. It feels like it's 15 years. It hasn't changed much at all. I'm oblivious to what you just said. So, why will it? Because you don't listen. To no, but no. But why will it come to Australian shores? What because it's? What well, makes you say that? Well, because patrol's been a a, a stalwart of the four by four market yep. in Australia for eons. Yeah. And so, so I see that being as you know that's the number one competitor. If yep. you if you're looking at you know what we do towing off road. That sort of thing. Yeah. To the Land Cruiser. Yep. So, I, I, that'd be I, stupid I, not to bring it in. Really, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's it's old. The current car oh. in its, you know, in its entirety now has been around for a very long period of time. It's so pushed it its is, power up as well. I just seen read that then three hundred and thirty five kilowatts now. Yep. So, so it's got a lot of go. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the thing that people love about it, it's obviously the V eight as well. So yes. that'll be interesting to see once we start to get more details around that and when there will be a potential Australian launch. Um, so that's a little bit of four by four news for you. You're listening to Real Adventures' massive show coming your way this morning. But after the break, we roll around the country and we find out what's biting in your neck of the woods. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. It is time for the whip around where we find out what's biting in your part of the country. 
we kick things off in New South Wales and Marimbula, Redmond. The bar. Yeah. So Marimbula Bar, where basically... I love fishing Marimbula. I've actually caught some massive trevally out of there. It's uh, where it uh, meets the ocean as such. There's that, that school of salmon that we saw link up in that Tarthra region. I don't know if it's broken off, but there's another massive school there. So it's great to see so many salmon there because people have got so access to them. They're so close to shore. You just you can cast a medal out, not a drama in the world. And they, they, but they've been holding there all week and even a bit of last week. So see how long they ha- hang out there. Batesman's Bay, we've been reporting this and it's still on fire with a the yellowfin. There's plenty of yellow uh, yellowfin out of Batesman's and also Wollongong, so up a little bit higher. The yellowfin were th- thick during the week out of there too. So... It's fishing extremely well. A few bluefin getting kicked about on the southeast coast as well, so there's a lot happening there too. And then wide of Sydney, on the bottom, snapper. Six kilo stuff. Really? Yeah, really good fishing. Like five to six kilo fish, which is great to see on that side, that coast, because they get a lot of that sort of three kilo stuff and a few bigger fish getting around. But people will get them on the plastics and the likes. But yep. what worked for a gentleman during the week who I spoke to, 35 metres of water, he caught flatties, which unbelievable to eat obviously yep. and then for, took the heads this is the session before kept the heads and used the heads for bait so I often well actually I shouldn't say that I've used it a fair bit Gwaine actually uses flathead nearly every time he snapper fishes really he knocks the fillets off yep. and puts out the head and with a bit of the guts and whatnot hanging whole off, head whole head the guts and it's a, the thing with the bait of a flathead is it lasts forever how so, do you how do you pin the just through the lips. Pinning it through the lip. Yeah, yep. literally through the lip. and then if Once you've got a, over? Yeah, and if you've got a snelled rig, just, yeah, once through the top and then the snelled, so the second hook, the snelled hook down the or the hook down the bottom, just hook that in a little bit of the gut bit that you leave hanging somewhere down there. Yep. And it catches a lot of fish. And it's funny enough, they used it during the week and they had good success out of Sydney. So it's working in Port Phillip, Western Port, and up in Sydney too. Six kilos is a big fish. What about, will that catch you smaller fish as well that they don't... Yeah, they... They will. Aggressive. They will, yeah. They will. And just to give you an example, and I'm learning, I learned so, I've been learning so much on the gummies lately. And I'd like to say gummies are one of the species that you've spent a lot of time with. I have down pat. It's one of those yeah. things that I've literally have been, I've used, I've fished a lot. So I, I took out some barrel tuna carcasses not long ago, and I told you this, and I threw them in the water, the, 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 the skin of it, and we quarter our fish. These gummies come back with meter long skin that I've thrown in the water because it sinks down the bottom, there's no current in the ocean. They come back with it. And so you're always learning when you're fishing. So don't be afraid to try things like the flathead heads for species or whatever you catch. Try things. During the week, just gone. I did really well on the on the, on the the gummies during the week. And whole big two and a half kilo blue throat wrasse. Like I got, the, I got the gummy and a whole wrasse is in its stomach. Yeah. Whole crayfish. Like the stuff that we see in it, they're big. And the thing that I like is using big baits. People will go, oh, big baits is stupid. It's not when you're fishing because I'm always big baits because it stops the smaller stuff from destroying your baits quicker. And I've always spoken about trying to keep your baits in the water on the reef. You can't keep it in. And these work really well. It's a good method to use. Hang around for the tip a little later, which does centre around gutting a fish and, um, and keeping an eye on, uh, on what your fish targets have been eating uh we head further north to queensland redmond yeah the narang river produced plenty of yellowfin whiting and brim prawns really really good and also those sugar pens that i spoke about uh earlier in the show they worked really well as well uh the coral trout out of bundy are going red hot at the moment fish to seven kilos which is a significantly sized fish uh live yakkers uh 
prawn lures and pilchards the best techniques for chasing these fish? WA Mai Mai Charters. The Maui Maui. Maui Maui, yes, that'll do. Uh, they have got some <laughs> Maui Maui. They are... <laughs> It's not the fish we're talking about. It's the charter vessel here, Patrick. And they run a great clinic over there. They seriously, they've got a magnificent fishery. Yep. So they're fishing very, very well. And gold band snapper. Plenty of gold band snapper. They've been beautiful fish to eat. They pull hard. Yeah, pull extremely hard. Obviously other fish there, but they have been red hot uh, up that way. So And also fishing esperance. I wrote essence there, but fishing esperance. Uh, huge. Pick, I picked up on what you were doing there. I'm going to blame their word. Uh, they change your words on these things. Uh, some huge salmon also being caught land-based too on little stick baits, medals, and also pillies if you want to sit back and have a cast. Uh, South Australia, the brim are on fire at the moment uh, in St Kilda after the bloodworms going really well. Uh, Yabby lures working quite well. And the other thing that has sort of, there's been a few sort of uh, reports around the cockle lure, Redmond, Jesus, or the pippy lure, the muscle, de- the muscle lure, the muscle lure, de- the pippy lure, depending on. Uh, you saw the pippy lure in trallies when we were there the other yeah, week. Yeah, what state? They are going really well. So if you can picture what a pippy lure is or a cockle lure, it is literally. Yes, you're right. It looks stupid. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's exactly that. It's yeah. a cockle pippy, and then there's a little um, treble, a little treble at the end of it. And, and it goes really well, and you just sort of work it through. Yeah, you got to work. You work. You work the shell. <laughs> you, you do. How do you? Work? I uh, know you do, but how do you work a shell? <laughs> reports around piers and jetties. It works. Right. It's it works really well. So, can um, you ex- just explain how you work it? Give us the technique that you'd use. Well, we're on radio, so but like explain okay. it. <laughs> well, you twitch your rod up and down, and then back down. So it's very, very small, uh, small winding. Movement. Like yeah. it's fallen off a pier. Yeah, you're not exactly. You're not. I'm, I'm you're not, not even taking the piss here. This is actually legit. It's a good lure. You're not casting it out and ripping it in across the surface. You are. You are trying. If you need to Google it, Google it in terms of what how a pippy moves through the water. We're heading to where the where the lure was made in Tassie, where things aren't right down there, no, Patrick. You, you forgot the last. <laughs> oh, one sorry. In what South I forgot. There's a bit, there has been a, uh, a few barrels. Oh, that's landed. right. At Port Mac, and as well. don't and and expect the best to come. Really? Well, Portland, in my Vic reports, coming is fishing well. Are they going to move there? And when they move there, they get on the bait balls. I don't know if they are, but I'm hoping they do because I love fishing Port Mac. The bait balls get up, and there's a few fish starting to kick about already. So let's see what happens at Port Mac. Tasmania, the Mercy River is fishing well for Browns. Little hard-bodied divers working really well. Um, Beautiful fishery that place. And it's an amazing waterway. Yeah, it is. It's it worthwhile. It is cold at the moment, obviously, but the early mornings. Um, but once that sun hits it, um, and it starts to warm the surface temperature gentleman, a little bit. Gentleman fished in a morning down there. His brother got five, his mate got four, and he got one. All of little hard body divers. Yep, they're fishing quite well. Not for the bloke that got one, but the others did. Uh, fishing the curries, the trout have been very kind for the guys using fly too. So plenty of uh, trout on the fly in that little bit of waterway as well. You spoke about Portland before. Yes. Uh, Victoria, can you go a little bit more in-depth around Portland and why? They're in close, big barrels there, mixed in with the schoolfish as well. So you, there's boats having three to five shots at the big guys, but there's also plenty of uh, small fish there too. The charters are bagging out on the schoolfish, which is great to see in August. This fishery, the tuna fishery, is just becoming a joke how good it is now. It's, yeah. it's, it's like catching... Not quite, but nearly like catching flatted in Port Phillip Bay. They're all year round. They are literally so many fish on offer around this state. You just got to. You might have to move to where they are, 
But you're pretty much, it's okay. whether it's a small fish or a big fish, the fishing's excellent. And the thing is, we're getting better. Us wreck anglers are getting better. The commercials are obviously getting better. Mm. They, everyone's looking after this fishery so good. It's going to be interesting to see where it actually falls into in the next 10 years, how good it can get. Because I, I don't know what percent we're at now, but we were very low, well below 10%, and now we're flying. Uh, just Western Port barrels? Where yeah, are they at? so that's where I'd be going more than the rip as such. There was a couple caught out of the rip during the week, but they there's a lot of boats. There weren't a lot of boats, but enough boats. There should have been more. Yeah. Uh, Western Port had a very good bite on two of the occasions. They went well. It's just local fishing can be hard, can be good. Yep. Uh, but it probably be a few more fish that way at the moment. And then Welsh Pool, there were some beautiful gummy, short, gummy sharks caught down there during the week, as well as plenty of flathead off the bottom. Uh, Lake's entrance, the pinky snapper continued to go really, really, really well. And uh, our good friend of the show, Cam White, was down at Tamboon Inlet during the week and landed some oh, just unlimited amount of brim. Brim, yeah. He is a good old Beto in there, so you chuck your prawn on your hook in there. Not your muscle thing, but... That's just... That's pathetic. Sits down there with the old boys, sits down there with all his dad's mates down there, about 20 of them, they take their little tinnies out and they just say, sit there. Where are they? Are they fishing in boats as well? or They're in boats. Little tinnies. No, no, so Drinking I, tinnies. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Is that what you were I, yeah. I just caught on about half an hour late. <laughs> uh, and just also, just to mention what I got up to during the week, the squid fishing was tremendous in Port Phillip Bay. It is loaded with squid. The salmon are thick too over the bottom end of Port Phillip Bay as well. Loaded up some baits, Patrick. I've got now literally got probably hundred in the freezer now, and that'll get me along for a bit because it'll last go, me a week. Last me two weeks. Doesn't <laughs> last long, but they just snapper season's coming too. So yes. fish efficiently now. It, the fishing's crap right now in Victoria. What I mean by that, it's not easy. Tuna's yeah. great, and it's cold. It's cold. So you're, not, you're not putting in utilize, the hours, exactly. Yes. So utilize your time to help you ahead, so you're not chasing your tail. So what I mean by that is the squid are great, the salmon are great. The whiting are a bit tough. Everything else is a little bit tough. The gummies are good offshore, but if you want to stay in the bay and make your season to come even easier, go load up on your squid and salmon baits now and everything's just a bliss when it comes into the season. And obviously, we spoke about the gummies offshore. They're fishing very, very well. All right, beautiful work, Redmond. That is the whip around uh, where we find out what's biting around the state. Once again, if you want to follow any of our podcasts or any of our shows, you can do that. Uh, from wherever you download your podcast, and that goes through all the whip arounds that we do every single week, uh, all of Red's reviews and all that sort of stuff. So you can follow that uh, iTunes, and I'm not sure where Android do it, Redmond, but Android still exists. Of course they did. Oh, course apology. Did. Anyway, <laughs> you're listening to Real Adventures after the break. Taylor Hunt joins us to talk through the Macquarie Perch and the breeding program that the Vic Fisheries Authority are currently undertaking. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Welcome back. It is now time for our All Aboard segment. Our special guest this morning is Taylor Hunt from Vic Fisheries. He's, of course, the fisheries manager at Victorian Fisheries Authority. Good morning, Taylor. Good morning, fellas. Good to hear from you this morning. Lovely day to be out and about. Now, we love having you on for a myriad of different reasons, but one of the things that we've been really keen to chat to you about uh, is the Macquarie perch, uh, which has been an elusive species, significantly under threat, and there's some really exciting um, developments that that you've made at at fisheries. Absolutely, yes. It's 
super exciting times for Macquarie perch and for bringing back some of our native fish in our rivers. So this is a species that used to run black in the rivers. They were like the most abundant native fish. Think of, uh, you know, when you see lots of carp around at the moment, you know, when we go back past the 50s, Macquarie perch were everywhere. And unfortunately, they've absolutely copped it from a whole range of different things over time. And there's not many of them left. And they're one of these species that we can breed Murray cod, we can breed golden perch, and we can bring them back. But Macquarie perch are really finicky, and we haven't been able to breed them in captivity. But we've just landed this really big partnership with a whole heap of different um, partners, like the FRDC in New South Wales Fisheries and the Universities. And we are going to crack the code on how to breed Macquarie perch. And what that's going to do is enable us to restock hundreds of thousands back into our rivers and bring them back as a species that you guys can catch again. So to me, this is like the pinnacle of fisheries management. If we can bring these things back, um, they're, at the moment, they're like the Tasmanian tiger. But uh, you know, I can imagine in five or ten years' time, they're teeming in our rivers again. And um, yeah, exciting piece of work that we're just about to start. So where do you start with something like this? So there's obviously the science that goes into the management of a whole range uh, of different species, um, whether it's introduced species, so trout, for example, that are bred in certain spots and re-released to um, – well, not re-released, but released to you know pr- promote fishing uh, with young fishos um, – but they're finicky in itself that you you know you can't just put them in a pond and they'll breed. You obviously need flowing water. You can't be recycling the water because the fish can sense it. What's the science behind the Macquarie perch and what do you need to learn in order to, I suppose, facilitate the breeding program? Yeah, that's a really good question and it's, it's sort of key to the whole story. So like you said, we've known how to breed trout for hundreds of years, a couple of hundred years, you know, came over with, um, you know, Europeans and English, we've always known how to breed trout. Murray cod, golden perch, we've learnt how to breed them in the 70s and the 80s. And really that was about keeping them well-conditioned, happy, and then spawning them at the right time of the year. With Macquarie perch, what we find is we bring in broodstock from the wild and the male fish, you know, when, once it becomes breeding time, are ready to go. But the female fish... We bring them out of the wild, they'll breed once, and then we can never keep them in the hatchery happy again, basically. We, there's a gap there that, you know, um, we need to learn how to keep them alive in the hatchery and happy to breed year after year. So the two sort of pathways that we're really exploring to do this is, one, the nutrition, so feeding the females the right things so that once spawning time comes around, they're ready to spawn again and we can milk them and, you know, they're ready to go. Uh, and the other thing is using some hormones to get the timing right. So it's pretty technical stuff. And that's why we've got all the universities, basically five universities in Australia, the world experts. And we've even got the Norwegian Institute of Aquaculture Research uh, working with us to crack the code. And, yeah, it's those two angles that we're working on keeping the ladies, the, the female Macquarie perch, happy and healthy in the hatchery and ready to go uh, when spring comes. So Ta- hopefully those two pathways will give us a breakthrough. 
two questions in one here, Taylor. What happened to them first to make them go to nearly extinction? Extinction, but then you've also got you got well, to line up with carp. I'm assuming well, that's at, what Taylor said off the top. Off the top, there was, is there any other any other elements that's come to that that you've also now got to look at when you release these fish again and you try and save them again and bring them back to the anglers and also to everyone that wants to access them. How do you stop it from happening again? Yeah, yep. So absolutely, two things we need to keep an eye on because you know if we learn to breed them and then we stock them and they just get hammered again, that's not a good result. So when they when they really went into decline was a few things. One, we started putting weirs and barriers on all our rivers, so they couldn't oh, yeah. these populations couldn't connect. Um, and then we did overfish them. Like there are stories of people taking you know sugar bags full of fish when they get on their spawning run. So they were, they were hammered. You know, there's stories about them feeding the gold rush people with Macquarie perch. So mm. they were pretty vulnerable at that time. And then the last thing that's really copping them is redfin. You know, everywhere redfin show up, Lake Yildon, we've now got them in Dartmouth. Um, everywhere redfin show up, they hammer the mackers. So the good thing is, I suppose, we now know we're getting around some of the barriers around the state. There's lots of fishways. The habitat's being repaired, but we will have to be really careful about where we put them and don't put them in places where there's redfin because we know those things don't don't connect. Um, fortunately, there's lots of waters in the northeast, like the Ovens River, the King, the Kiwa, Kudjua Creek, where there's not many redfin. And the few fish that we have put in have gone really well and they're starting to come back and, you know, people are seeing them for the first time in a generation. So... Um, you know, we know it works. We just need to breed more of them now. And by cracking the code on uh, on this species, yeah, we're going to do it. So, yeah, it sounds super fish nerdy, but <laughs> super super exciting for us, you know, to bring these things back to the rivers for everyone to enjoy again. I think if, if people are interested in more than just reading a, a Vic Fisheries release, there's a cracking mini documentary Taylor on YouTube, cracking the code, the story of the Macquarie perch with with which with which uh, you guys produced and put together. It's a wonderful little doco around the Macquarie perch and what it takes to breed them. The Snobs Creek hatchery, um, a little bit about Dartmouth and the and the environments which they breed and thrive. Yeah, also it is. We were super lucky. We had a great cinematographer from the Geelong region, Jared Board, and he put basically helped us put the story together. And that that's been really helpful to tell the story of Maccas and bring all the funding partners together, like the Fisheries Research Development Corporation and Rex Fishers and the Unis. And yeah, now we've got the team. We just need to work together and uh, and crack the code. So yeah, check out that little video though. It, it explains the story far better than I can. Uh, but I am excited to get you guys out catching a macca, you yes. know, in the next five or ten years when they're back in our river system. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, Red, I know you love your freshwater fishing. You <laughs> he are, actually you has gotten gonna, into it. He I'm has tr- gotten into it. it. Yeah, have you got him down the Otways on those on those beautiful little brown that's and rainbows? Not a, that's not a good example. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, More in land waterways. I need a tactical. I've got a tactical question here for you, Taylor. Yeah, what, yeah. What are you going to be feeding these Macquarie perch? What do you mean? Yeah, so I need th- to know what he's going to be feeding them. Tactical question, because when they release them, I need to know what they like. <laughs> ah, good, good. I like it. What, like no, it. what, well, what will you be feeding them? So we're with the Deacon guys. They're the experts in this space. We're actually going to give them um, this commercial 
different fish foods that basically are fed in barramundi and Murray cod aquaculture. But then we're going to spice it up with some of the things that we see in their environment, yeah. like, you know, bogong moths and barty grubs and the insects that, you know, that we know that they come across because they could be the things which, you know, Get them ready basically to crack yeah. it. Yeah, and there's a story about this sugar glider that the zoos were trying to breed in captivity for years and they couldn't work it out. And then they fed it a nectar that it had in the environment for one specific eucalypt and it just clicked. Yeah. So there's probably something in the environment that they're eating that we are not quite giving them. And that's what this work will, will hope, hopefully uh, lead us to. So, I reckon, yeah, fun I reckon, stuff. I reckon Taylor can bring back the Tassie, Dev, uh, the Tassie Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew you couldn't keep you couldn't keep focused on a specific subject for too long. I, I'm actually I was actually I've listened to every bit of this. I've actually been very intrigued. This is cool. I know, and I know how much they pull on a fishing rod too. They go hard. They do. They go. We're going to get you in the fresh, Red. You're going to love it. They're like, like a you know, stronger sort of plastic bag, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Um, Taylor, thank thank you so much for for joining us this morning and chatting about uh, the work that the Vic Fisheries are doing around the Macquarie Perch. But not only that, Redmond, that there's so much that Vic Fisheries do in order to promote fishing uh, throughout Victoria, whether it's the hatchery work, and then you've got the stocking programs that happen right throughout. You know, they generally line up with school holidays, which is wonderful for getting your kids <laughs> yeah. into fishing, which is which is terrific. Um, Thanks again and for coming as, on this and morning. As I always say as well, Taylor is a very keen rec angler too. So having people that actually do the fishing, not just the science work and the stuff behind the scenes, it's uh it's that that is what I enjoy the most of because often I'm getting the messages uh, where are the where are they busting up? That's the message I get. <laughs> so Taylor sends that to tell me, me. Tell me your answers, Red. Please. So so, face, so no, it, it is very good to have someone like yourself part of the team there, Taylor. So thank you very wow. much for all the We're hard work lucky. you guys do. We're super lucky, guys. Thanks for all your support. We love how passionate wreck anglers are. And, yeah, we all want the same thing, good fishing. So, yeah, it's cool to work together to, uh, to make it happen. So, yeah, thanks again. Taylor Hunt from the Vic Fisheries Authority. For more information, head to vfa.vic.gov.au. It's a wonderful website uh, for more information. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We are on the home stretch. And this is a good tip. I like this tip because it's certainly relevant to the target species. You need to have caught a fish, obviously, first Redmond, in order to be able to do this tip. Um, but it does keep you in well, the hunt. Or do you? You could head down to your local boat ramp, like Portland, and when they take the guts out of the tuna, you could check what's in it if you were heading out the day before. Just walking around. I just, I thought, like I just thought about that. Have you ever done that? No. <laughs> Don't do it. It's pretty gross. It'll stink in there too. Uh, yeah, when you're fishing, doesn't matter what it is, but tuna, gummies, snapper, all the likes, when you do clean these fish to eat, now quite often you clean fish now out, not clean, you will gut fish out on the ocean. So all those big tuna we get, we gut them. Get the guts out. Get them on ice, reduce, obviously looks after the fish a lot better. Then you've got your snapper and whatnot. Take the guts out. It makes cleaning at home. All Everything basically a bit bigger than a smaller fish. Sounds dumb, but a bit bigger than those bit bigger snapper and whatnot. I take the guts out because it's a mess when you get home. Widening than that, you wouldn't worry about it. 
But even when you're cleaning whiting and the like, you'll see the pillies that you've been cutting up in their burly trail from the burly trail. You've been putting shaking the pot. Mm-hmm. You'll see them in their guts. So whenever you're cleaning fish, always check the guts of the fish to work out things that they feed on. You'll be blown away with what some of the things and that I've caught fish on by looking in their guts. I caught a gummy shark one time, had a whole leather jacket in it. I caught a leather jacket offshore, cut it in half, put it on the bait, just the head of it. Sure enough, landed a gummy shark on it. I would never thought that I would have ever used a leather jacket before. So just things like that. You can pick up so many tips by looking at what the fish feeds on. Lee Rayner and I got those barrels one a uh, few months back and we got, opened the guts of it and the whole thing was full of pilchards. Some of them, they had obviously just eaten. Those pilchards were better than the servo pillies that we had in the boat. So what do we do? We use those pillies. So it helps you a lot more, catch a lot, helps you a lot more to catch more fish mm. if you do check the guts of these fish. Red's tip. I like that, Raymond. Beautiful work. Uh, the gaff this week is going to any or all of our uh, major uh, supermarkets. Oh, you are chains. going with this one. I'm all for this. I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm, don't, you don't need to tell me. I'm an environmentalist. The yeah. environment is critical. We can't. Oh, and know. I generally am too. Absolutely. Take the piss here and there, but I generally am. But when it comes to stocking of decent plastic bags, we go to the supermarket in order to get these. These are important for, you know, fish and moving them over. Like yes. you, you've brought uh, uh, me some fish in today in a plastic or bag. Or some flake in fish. It started to disintegrate already. I literally said to you, it's, the bag's leaking. It's been there for three minutes. <laughs> and now when you go to the supermarket, you get the uh, cardboard bag, paper bag, which, the Which is good, I get it. <laughs> Understand, you know, environment and put three bananas in there. Breaking down and all that sort of stuff. But the the stocking of plastic bags for those that like to fish and have a, a solid um, collection of plastic bags for, you know, keeping things either dry on the boat or, you know, keeping and moving fish beyond it is becoming significantly challenging, Aaron. It is. I'm hearing you. And this led to me to um, to stumble across something the other day on uh, on social media, and I am not a uh, a Donald Trumpian. I'm moving my microphone because I, I didn't organise myself in order to play this for us, Redmond. But it it um, it <laughs> this is Donald Trump uh, at one of these rallies. I'm not sure it was a rally or what, or whatnot. But they've overlaid the Seinfeld uh, music as he talks about. Straws, and I thought it was a good gaff and a, a good laugh for us. Has anybody ever tried those paper straws? They're not working, too, right? Has anybody ever tried, seriously, the new straws made out of paper, right? It disintegrates as you drink it. If you have a nice tie like this tie, this would have no chance. By the time you get finished, the straw is totally disintegrated. <laughs> Does anybody walk around with a plastic straw? Because it's not bad. You know, you whip it out, boom, boom. You never had to do that. So they want to ban straws. I said, oh, really? What about the cart? What about the plate? What about the knives and the spoons that are plastic? Well, they're okay. But the straws we got to ban. You know what annoys me? Donald Trump talking about talking about straws as it just continues to play in the background. You know what the worst part about it is? You go to the supermarket and they've got rid of all this plastic. Donald Trump's talking about straws rather than politics. I think that's great. Policy. I I, I like Donald Trump. But you go and get get ham. Oh, he says some very good things. You go and get he says some dumb things, but not as much as Biden. Uh, You go and get some ham, and what do they do? 
Wrap it in plastic. Then you go get a bit of salami next to it, more plastic. You go and buy baby cucumbers, it's in more plastic. You get a plastic bag to get your apples. I, you I was going to say, I actually bought, no, no, I, I got apples the other day that were in a plastic carton wrapped in plastic. Made no sense. I just don't get it. And then you we've, go... We've gone over, Aaron. They're done. Okay. The show is finished. I was going to get onto the Macca's lids on a plastic lid on a We're done. cardboard. The cup. show is finished. <laughs> Thanks for your company this morning. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If we make it to next week, we'll see. <laughs> you can listen to us then. This has been Real Adventures.